48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve at Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. A limit on public gatherings is raised from 8 people to 50. Hong Kong's unemployment rate climbs to a 15-year high of 5.9%. And border clashes fuel tensions between China and India. The government says up to 50 people will be allowed to gather for public events from Friday. The limit is eight at present. The Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, says they believe the revised cap is appropriate given the current local situation with the pandemic. We have a look at what is a number that is acceptable or the risk is acceptable. Uh, on the one hand, uh, I think currently under our five, CAP 599G, there are certain uh, exemption categories that have a 50 people number, for example, wedding ceremonies and also AGM and also EGM. And so far, uh, under these exemptions, uh, so far the compliance and everything, it is okay. So in the lifting mode, uh, we have considered that uh, the number of persons allowed in these group gatherings in public places, uh, but we want to uh, relax to uh, 50. The health chief says infection control measures will remain in place. For example, a minimum distance of 1.5 metres between tables at restaurants. On the easing of a ban on gatherings, University of Hong Kong professor Benjamin Cowling, who is the director of the WHO's Collaborating Centre for Infectious Disease Epidemiology and Control, warned that the virus could be transmitted in large group settings. It's reasonable to have a maximum number of participants in group gatherings but i don't understand how a gathering of 50 persons outdoors could be judged in a in a larger place like in a football stadium going around the running track um i, I mean we'll have to wait and see for more details but i think certainly group gatherings large group gatherings would be a potential problem if there was a, an infected case around that would be an opportunity for a lot of transmission to occur the Labour chief, Lord Chi Kuang, has put on a brave face even as Hong Kong's unemployment rate rose to a 15-year high of 5.9%. Among the hardest-hit sectors, sectors were consumption and tourism as well as the food and beverage trade. While Mr Law warned that the jobless rate could soon top 6%, he sees light at the end of the tunnel. Although the increase in unemployment rate looks uh, a little bit grim, but then when you look at the rate of increase, for the reduction of that rate of increase, then the situation is not that pessimistic. The Liberal Party leader, Felix Chung, says that the rise in the jobless rate was not as high as some people had feared, due largely to a government subsidy scheme to save jobs. Otherwise, I mean, the employment rate will be much higher because a lot of the um, business sector right now have applied for the salary subsidies from the from the government, and then which have promised not to uh, fire any of the employee for uh, this coming six months. So that certainly will help uh, to slow down the unemployment rate. The chief executive has warned the opposition camp not to demonise the upcoming national security legislation, saying they'll be pitting themselves against the majority of Hong Kong people. Carrie Lam also dismissed concerns that Hong Kong's judicial system will be undermined if Beijing were to handle the most serious national security breaches. This new piece of legislation will not change Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy and will not affect uh, judicial independence, including that of final adjudication. 
Tensions between China and India have taken a sharp turn for the worse over a border dispute. New Delhi says three soldiers were killed in clashes last night, while Beijing accused India of carrying out provocative attacks. Vicky Wong reports. The two Asian powers are blaming each other for heightened tensions. In Beijing, a foreign ministry spokesman said Indian forces targeted Chinese troops along their Himalayan border. Zhao Lijian said that led to serious physical conflicts between the two sides. The spokesman insisted China is committed to maintaining peace along the disputed border. These were Beijing's first official comments on the clashes that New Delhi said left three soldiers dead, including a senior army officer. India said there were casualties on both sides. It's said to be the first deadly confrontation between Chinese and Indian soldiers in more than 40 years. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is just coming up to five minutes past 11. To another troubled spot in the region. North Korea blew up an inter-Korean liaison office building just north of the heavily armed border with the south, fueling tension on the Korean peninsula. And as RTHK's sole correspondent Frank Smith tells us, Pyongyang's actions may not stop there. They're threatening to conduct some military operations against the South. They say that they're going to move into border areas that had previously been sort of demilitarized in North Korea. One of those is the, the Gaesong Industrial Complex, which is where the liaison office in, is located in the city of Gaesong. The other would likely be the Mount Gungang Tourism Resort. These are both inter-Korean projects that were developed uh, in the early 2000s under the um, presidency of Nobel laureate uh, Kim Dae-jung with uh, Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, when there was a sunshine policy from South Korea toward the North. Turning now to COVID-19. The city of Beijing is imposing further restrictions to try to prevent the spread of a new coronavirus outbreak. State media are reporting that close contacts of people who have tested positive for the virus are being prevented from leaving the city and some outbound transport services have been suspended. The capital has reported 27 new infections, mostly linked to the Xinfadi wholesale food market. And Wu Zunyo from China's Centre for Disease Control said reports that the outbreak was caused by imported salmon haven't yet been confirmed. It is possible, but it does not uh, definitely indicate it uh, from imported seafood. Uh, it could be transmitted from infected people to people working in the market. We are still collecting data. New Zealand, which hadn't recorded any cases for nearly a month, has confirmed two new infections. Last week, New Zealand declared it no longer had any active cases of the virus and lifted all limits on public gatherings. This report from the BBC's Shema Khalil. The Director General of Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, said the two women, who were from the same family, had arrived in New Zealand from the UK via the Australian city of Brisbane. The two were in a managed isolation hotel in Auckland. They were permitted to leave to Wellington on compassionate grounds on Friday the 12th of June to see their parent, who died later that night. One additional family member may be at risk. Other potential contacts included people on the same flight from Brisbane and people who were in the same managed isolation facility in Auckland. Medical trials in the UK have raised hopes of a major step forward in the treatment of patients who are seriously ill with COVID-19. A cheap and widely available steroid, dexamethasone, has been found to increase the chances of survival for seriously affected people. 
More from the BBC's Michelle Roberts. This is a major breakthrough. There have been lots of trials looking to find a treatment that could help. We know that this virus can cause very severe symptoms and deaths, unfortunately, in some people that catch the infection. This drug seems to dampen down the body's immune response. So some people fight off coronavirus quite happily. You know, they don't need to go to hospital. But unfortunately, some people do get very sick with the virus and they start to struggle to breathe. They might need oxygen or to be put on a machine, a ventilator to help them breathe. And it's these patients that the drug seems to really help. Back locally, Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has set out a host of reasons why she might have to intervene in a private prosecution at a time when pro-democracy lawmakers are pursuing cases against the police and a rival legislator. Writing on her blog, Ms Cheng says that the right to institute a private prosecution is an important feature of the common law system, but it could be open to abuse. Francis Sitt has details. Theresa Chang says the Department of Justice has an obligation to intervene in and discontinue a private prosecution accepted by a magistrate if it's considered to have no reasonable prospect of conviction or is contrary to the public interest. Other reasons for stepping in would be if the case was brought under improper motives or constitute an abuse of process. And the Justice Secretary says private prosecutions which are groundless or frivolous or brought out of political considerations should not be condoned. In her blog, she says her department is determined to promote fair, just and consistent decision-making at all stages of the prosecution process, and any wrong decision in prosecutions would inevitably damage people's confidence in the criminal justice system. Last week, an Eastern Court magistrate agreed to summon a police officer who shot a protester with live ammunition last November in a private prosecution brought by Ted Ho. The Democratic Party legislator also has a case against a taxi driver whose vehicle plowed into a group of protesters last October. People Power lawmaker Ray Chen, meanwhile, has filed for a private prosecution against pro-Beijing rival Kwok Wai Kung over an alleged assault in Leshko last month. In response to Ms Cheng's comments, Ray Chan accused the Justice Secretary of interfering with judicial independence. Whether a private prosecution persists or not is decided by the court. The SJ attempts to manipulate the court and pressure the court into not issuing summons. Should SJ Theresa Zhang decide to intervene and even stop the private prosecution which has been approved in order to advance her political interests, she and the government will have to face the prospect of judicial review. She will drag the reputation and independence of Hong Kong's judiciary down with her. A survey by the Professional Teachers Union has found that an overwhelming majority of teachers are pessimistic about the future of education. Among nearly 1,200 teachers polled in early June, more than 90% said the way the government's handling of education since the anti-extradition movement a year ago has undermined their confidence in the SAR's future educational development. Many of them also said there's been political pressure on the sector and that they would avoid teaching sensitive topics. Here's the president of the union, Feng Waiwa. They will, some of them maybe will have sanctions on themselves so that they will think before they will talk. Uh, or some will even abandon from talking about their own opinion. They just will talk according to the books, the content of the books. And this will jeopardize the objective of training students to be more independent and critical in thinking. 
Sport, and we start with Spain's La Liga, where Sevilla missed a chance to strengthen their hold on third place after conceding a late own goal to draw one all away to Levante. Luke de Jong scored for Sevilla early in the second half, but they gave up the lead on the 87th minute. A cross partially saved by keeper Thomas Vacic bounced off defender Diego Carlos and into their own net. With the top four guaranteed a Champions League place at the end of the season, Sevilla missed a chance to go six points up on Real Sociedad, who are currently fourth. In the other match last night, Real Betis and Granada played to a two-all draw. Australia's A-League is set to resume on the 16th of next month, with a Melbourne derby between Victory and West United. The announcement came after players agreed a play deal, and the union and clubs agreed to extend the season to the end of August. The league has been suspended since March because of the coronavirus pandemic and both the players and clubs have taken a financial hit. The Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred says there might be no Major League season after a breakdown in talks between owners and the union on how to split up money in a season delayed by the coronavirus pandemic. Atom Chung has details. The chance that there will be no Major League Baseball season has increased substantially after the league told its players it will not proceed with a schedule unless the threat of legal action by the union is resolved. The league wants the union to agree to waive claims that it violated the March agreement between the two sides. Last Friday, the league offered players 70% of their salaries as part of a 72-game schedule. However, the players insist on getting the full portion of their prorated salaries and will accept no additional pay cuts than what was agreed in March. The union could also respond by filing a grievance, arguing players should be paid for the season of 119 games they initially proposed. That plan would result in salaries of nearly $3 billion U.S. dollars. Commissioner Rob Manfred said last week that the chance of having a season was 100%. He reversed his position yesterday, saying the owners are 100% committed to play, but he can no longer guarantee there will be a season if there's no dialogue. A reminder of our top stories tonight. A limit on public gatherings is raised from 8 people to 50. Hong Kong's unemployment rate climbs to a 15-year high of 5.9% and border clashes fuel tensions between China and India. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's NewsRap programme. Groups of up to 50 people will be allowed to gather in public places from Friday, up from the current limit of eight due to the coronavirus pandemic. The government says there'll be no capital for restaurants to allow banquets to be held, but infection control measures will remain in place. For example, a minimum distance of 1.5 metres between tables. Anna-Marie Evans asked the University of Hong Kong Professor Benjamin Cowling, who's the director of the WHO's Collaborating Centre for Infectious Disease Epidemiology and Control, if it's a good time for relaxing social distancing measures. Yeah, we've got very few cases in the recent few weeks. I think it's a good time to relax, but we do need to be ready to bring back some of those measures. The government's going to bring them back if case numbers were to increase again, if there were to be more clusters like the Lecu cluster. 
And do you think that it makes sense for the government to still restrict gathering sizes to 50 people when you've got, you know, kids going back to school, you've got theme parks opening? I think it's reasonable to have a maximum number of participants in group gatherings, but I don't understand how a gathering of 50 persons outdoors could be judged in a, in a larger place, like in a football stadium, going around the running track. Um, I, I mean, we'll have to wait and see for more details, but I think certainly group gatherings, large group gatherings, would be a potential problem if there was a, an infected case around that would be an opportunity for a lot of transmission to occur. Now, with the growing outbreak in Beijing, do you feel that Hong Kong should continue its plan of launching a health code system and creating a travel bubble so that selected people can enter Hong Kong without quarantine? Uh, let, let's see how Beijing deal with this particular cluster of cases, whether it's one single cluster linked to that particular wholesale market or if it's a number of different clusters that are now being picked up by the mass testing. And I'm a little bit concerned that there might be similar clusters that have not yet been detected in other cities in China. Now, Hong Kong isn't the only place in the region that's starting to relax its social distancing measures, also in the Philippines and Indonesia, which means that uh, soon we'll have thousands of foreign domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong. Now, there are concerns. Employers are looking to perhaps um, have the um, domestic helpers housed in boarding houses and are also saying to the government that they need to provide accommodation. What are your thoughts on that from the perspective of um, COVID-19? I think the 14-day quarantine for people arriving in Hong Kong has been really important in the previous months, going back all the way to February. And I think that should continue for a while, including these foreign domestic helpers. I think boarding houses sound to me like uh, a little bit like Singapore, perhaps. And that makes me concerned about what might happen if there was an infection in just one foreign domestic helper in one of those places. I would suggest that hotels are considered, but I don't know the right way to, to finance that, who would pay for it. Yeah, because I mean, if they're in the employer's home, should then everybody stay at home? So right now, when one person comes back from overseas and they're in home quarantine, if they could stay in their own room with their own washroom, then that's fine for home quarantine and the other family members don't need themselves to stay at home. I guess a similar range, arrangement could work with foreign domestic helpers. But it's difficult for 14 days, especially in most flats in Hong Kong. New government data shows almost 6% of Hong Kong's workforce, or more than 230,000 people, are now jobless, the highest percentage reading in more than 15 years. The unemployment rate in some sectors has hit more than 10%, similar to levels during the post-SARS period. But the government says it can see some light at the end of the tunnel. Labour Secretary Lo Chi Kuang believes the pace of increase in the unemployment rate will start to ease, although the labour market will still face pressure in the near term. Jim Gould asked Liberal Party leader Felix Chung if he shared the minister's optimism. The rise, oh, of course we expect there's a rise, but um, the, the percentage of the rise is not as... Uh, high as we expected. The major reason for that is because of the employer special um, scheme that this government is subsidizing the, the payroll of the employ of the employer. I mean that helps a lot. Yeah, otherwise, I mean the employment rate will be much higher because a lot of the um, 
business sector right now have applied for the salary subsidies from the from the government, and then which have promised not to uh, fire any of the employee for uh, this coming six months. So that certainly will help uh, to slow down the unemployment rate. I think that is the major reason why the unemployment rate is not um, increasing as high as we expected. So the employment uh, support scheme has been quite successful then. Um, I, I believe the administration has received more than 430,000 applications for it, and about 60% of those have come from self-employed people. So is enough being done then to support the self-employed? On the other hand, I mean, um, only 6% of the people apply for that. It is a bit lower than, uh, than we expected. I expected a lot, uh, a lot more than that percentage. Uh, that might be part of the reason why is because, as I said, there, you, we have to uh, make some commitment not to fire any employees for the coming six months. Certain uh, company cannot guarantee that the business will be coming back soon or recover in a in a, in a, in the way that we expect. So certain um, business sector may rather to give up this um, salary subsidy scheme uh, in 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 return of they don't expect the business will be uh, will be uh, recovering soon. So. I mean, the percentage, only 60%, is actually lower than I expected. From Friday, public gatherings of up to 50 people will be allowed, uh, up from eight at present. Um, that's going to give a boost to the food and beverage industry and some others, isn't it? Certainly, yes. Well, especially the Father's Day is coming on this Sunday. Um, I believe that uh, the catering business will be recovering from these uh, relaxed uh, policies from uh, people to um, to travel unlimited in uh, in a in an indoor indoor um, uh, venue mm -hmm. and uh, people will because of the COVID nineteen situations getting bad in Hong Kong people will come out and then uh, start to have economic more more economic activities. Um, that certainly will help the business sector and economic activities. But uh, again, that only helps domestic uh, eco economic situations. Uh, we still cannot go out. Uh, we still cannot have any tourists to come in. So um, we we might have uh, still some long time to um, suffer from the economic uh, turn down. But again, on the other hand, uh, the, the theme park, for example, Ocean Parks already opened up and the Disneyland is going to open on this coming Thursday. Mm. So that will, will certainly help on, on some local um, tourism activities. Uh, I hope that that might um, um, give up a slow recovery on local local economic activities, but um, for international trade or um, tourism industries, we I think we still have some um, some time to wait to recover. North Korea blew up an inter-Korean liaison office building just north of the heavily armed border with South Korea in a dramatic display of anger that sharply raises tensions on the Korean Peninsula.
Anna-Marie Evans asked our sole correspondent, Frank Smith, the reason behind Pyongyang's actions. Well, that's a, a really good question. You know, uh, in terms of media, we need to recognize that North Korea is about as opaque as you can get. So trying to understand the real reasoning behind uh, their state policy and some of their uh, uh, foreign policy is a bit of a challenge. But this doesn't come entirely as a surprise, as North Korea has been speaking out against the activities by some NGOs in South Korea that send balloons carrying leaflets and and DVDs and um, USB sticks and stuff denouncing the North Korean government as well as another NGO that sends rice and and lately, uh, you know, anti-coronavirus masks in bottles by ocean currents into North Korea to highlight what these North Korea defector-run NGOs see as a despotic regime in the North. Kim Yo-jung spoke out uh, against uh, this office just a few days ago on Saturday. That's uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's um, sister, who's now more and more viewed as a sort of heir apparent in North Korea. She said on Saturday, quote, before long, a tragic scene of the useless North-South Joint Liaison Office completely collapsed would be seen. And evidently, that's what we saw at about 2.59 this afternoon. But it isn't just the liaison office, is it? She's actually threatening other things. Yes, they are. They're threatening to, you know, conduct some military operations against the South. They say that they're going to move into border areas that had previously been sort of demilitarized in North Korea. One of those is uh, the Gaesong Industrial Complex, which is where the liaison office in, is located in the city of Gaesong. The other would likely be the Mount Gungang Tourism Resort. These are both inter-Korean projects that were developed in the early 2000s under the um, presidency of Nobel laureate uh, Kim Dae-jung with uh, Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, when there was a sunshine policy from South Korea toward the North to try to encourage some peacemaking between the two countries, which really has fallen apart, particularly following the collapse of the U.S.-North Korea Trump-Kim summit back in February of, of 2018. But surely if Kaesong gets shut down, that's quite an Im economic impact on North Korea, isn't it? Yes, it has been an impact on, uh, on North Korea, an economic impact on North Korea. But primarily, you know, we got to look at this in the greater scheme of things as something that North Korea can poke at while it looks for relief from biting U.S.-led United Nations Security Council sanctions over its nuclear program. It wants to become an ordinary member of the international community and able to trade with the international community in a normal way to help develop its economy. And it's not able to do that as long as it continues to pursue nuclear development against those sanctions, and it hasn't really shown, uh, you know, an appetite to give up its so-called nuclear deterrent, despite these sanctions and demands from the U.S. and the United Nations Security Council to give up its pursuit and development of nuclear weapons. What's the reaction in the South been to the, what the North has been up to? Well, South 
Korea's National Security Council, led by uh, President uh, Moon Jae-in, they said that the destruction is an act that breaches the hope of all people wishing for the development of inter-Korean relations and a lasting peace on the Korean Peninsula, unquote. This is a statement from the Blue House, the South Korean presidential office. They also went on to say, quote, we sternly warn that if North Korea takes steps further aggravating the situation, we will respond strongly to it. So that's a, sort of an, an engagement, you know, desiring South Korean government playing to some people that are concerned about uh, Moon Jae-in's, that South Korean president, Moon Jae-in's so-called pro-North Korea stance, showing that he can, is, is willing to be a little bit uh, forceful and, and push back on, on some of North Korea's more provocative behavior. Scientists in the UK have decoded sounds made by queen honeybees to ensure colonies successfully reproduce during the swarming season. The researchers used highly sensitive vibration detectors to pick up two distinct sounds. They hope their findings will help beekeepers predict when their own colonies might be about to swarm. Here's the BBC's Victoria Gill. The buzz of honeybee activity. Despite the insect's ongoing decline, it's a familiar sound. But these sounds might be less familiar. They're the toots and quacks of queen honeybees, duets detected during the late spring swarming season. By recording them and observing how the colony behaved, researchers have revealed their crucial role in bee society. Tooting, the researchers found, is a queen moving around the colony, announcing her presence to the workers. The responding quacks are from queens that are still wax-sealed inside their special cells, but are ready to emerge. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Steve Dunthon from our newsroom. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, try flexible working hours and staggered meal breaks. Wear a mask on public transport. Avoid crowded lifts. Try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face -face contact with colleagues. Avoid meal gatherings. Stay away from crowds after work. Wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean. If you feel unwell, stay away from work and see your doctor. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to remember. 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 Moments to remember. That's what it's all about. Nostalgia. With Ray Codero all the way until one year.
The amazing, amazing Liberace. Of course, opening nostalgia on the night. Evening shadows make me blue When each weary day is through How I long to be with you My happiness Every day I reminisce Dreaming of your tears I'm with you, my 